Radboud University Medical Center in Nijmegen in the Netherlands has a high-profile reputation for the quality of care it provides and the way that it works very closely with patients and involves them in decision-making on key initiatives as well as in routine care. We're talking today to Professor Melvin Sampson, the CEO at Radboud UMC, about how he's managed to foster this close relationship with the patients. Well, thank you very much for joining us this morning, Professor Melvin Sampson. Um, I'd like to ask you, when you were appointed as Chief Medical Officer at Radboud UMC, it was in the wake of a negative publicity about the hospital's performance, notably its very poor cardiac surgery results. Did that present you with an opportunity with respect to introducing radical reform? Um, well, yes, yes, it did. It is. Um, so when I came in, the, the big question was um, whether this was an isolated issue that was only connected to the Department of Cardiothoracic Surgery and Cardiology, or whether it was a, a symptom of the organization in, in 2006 and 2005. And we, we had an assessment uh, of the, the current situation, and our conclusion was that it was more of a symptom of the organization state at, at that point in time. So it created an opportunity to discuss this with the, um, with the people at Radboud University Medical Center to see what was really going on and, and to see how we could uh, introduce some, some radical changes. Clearly, there's been a big focus on patient participation and, and patient-centered care, along with driving improved performance and the quality of care. And I wonder if you could say a bit about how you've managed to uh, gain such a strong reputation for patient participation and for involving patients within medical teams. Well, when I look back at the change that uh, the Radboud University Medical Center went through over the last, uh, let's say, seven years, uh, you can really divide it in, in two big parts. Uh, the first part being a much focus on the quality and the safety of care. And in the second period between 2010 and, and, and now, so 2014, uh, was mainly... Um, an additional focus about patient participation. This was really prompted by, by two issues. The, the, the first one um, was that um, we needed a new strategy for the next five or 10 years. And we started discussing this with um, the clinical leaders, uh, but also with nurses, students, and patients. And this came up as, as a very important issue that uh, we didn't have a lot of attention for the patient participation. I, I had a lot of conversations with uh, clinical leaders in, 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 in the Radboud University Medical Center, such as Professor Jan Kramer and Professor Bas Bloom and, and Lucia Engele, who were really thinking in a different way um, and, and trying to find ways to empower patients. And they had some very nice examples that they were gradually developing. We didn't want to see the patient in the center of our discussion, but we wanted patient participation, and, and we dubbed it the phrase, uh, the patient as a partner. 
And this was more or less a kickoff for a much broader initiative within the institution to have a lot of discussions about patient participation and, and patient focus. Thank you. That's very clear how you develop that uh, strategy. In terms of realizing it, um, what do you think are the most important changes that have been made within the day-to-day running of the hospital to get patients to participate? Uh, The most fundamental change is that we have much more contact with our patients and talk about the way we organize things. So it, it gave us a lot of extra information and it led to uh, projects such as opening up our electronic health records for every patient who enters the Radboud University Medical Center. Um, we started building online communities so that patient groups can communicate with each other and, and share their problems and share their solutions. And they're capable of uh, emailing Uh, directly to doctors or nurses, their concerns or their questions. Um, We started redesigning clinical pathways together with patients. Uh, We we introduced a chief listening officer and there was at the beginning a young female, uh, not from within the hospital, but from outside the hospital who would accompany young patients with cancer just to hear from them what they needed at a certain point in time during their diagnostic or their therapeutic process. And and this gained a lot of information about things that patients really need at that point in time. And and there are a lot of things that we didn't think of. So an example that I can give is about patients, young adults with cancer. Uh, we, We asked the the chief listening officer to talk to these patients, those patients. And one of the complaints that they had is that they said, well, when we are admitted to hospital uh, and we get chemotherapy, we are surrounded by people who are 60, 70 or 80 years old. And and we like to have a different environment. So we started to to connect two patient rooms together and got rid of the the beds and uh, put in some sofas and some flat screens so they could play uh, their games and so they could communicate from their sofas with each other while having chemotherapy and it created a completely different environment and and they are much more satisfied with this compared to the old situation. We have a clinical pathway that's being redesigned for patients with cleft lips. We we will see these patients, a large number of patients from all over the Netherlands and they will visit our hospital at least two or three times a year for the first 18 years of their lives. And uh, we questioned whether that was really a useful exercise. And so we, we started building a Skype-like platform called Facetalk, where we could communicate with these patients and uh, look at their electronic health records at the same time and also get images from their mouth and their lips to see how they are doing. So the patient do, do not have to come to the hospital and at the same time have a direct contact with the doctors and the nurses. Uh, they take photographs with their, their own uh, laptop or, or iPad. These are sent directly to the electronic health record and are stored within this system. So this is a, a way of getting a, an increase in, in, in quality and at the same time making uh, the patients much more satisfied about the way the clinical pathway has been arranged. 
there's a lot of concern, certainly in the UK, that if you open up patients' records to them fully and give them ownership and allow them to do email exchange with their doctors, that this might open the floodgates to a demand that doctors can't respond to. Would you say that, that those fears are not justified on the basis of your experience? Yes, uh, I think these fears are not justified. And we had the same remarks from our doctors and nurses, which I understand very well as a doctor also. Um, but the experience, and, and, and in practice, it's different. Um, the first community was opened more than 10 years ago by uh, Professor Jan Kramer. And he has had a, a large number of patients who participates, uh, have been participating in this community. And we're able to ask a lot of questions to the nurses and the doctors. And something very interesting happens is that patients are very aware of the fact that uh, doctors and nurses do not have a lot of time. Uh, so they are thinking at least a few times about writing an email and, and then try to phrase it as, as good as possible and uh, solve the problems also as much as possible themselves. So what really happened is that the patients were better informed when they came to the outpatient clinic. Uh, they were very careful about asking questions. And, and so the, the, in practice, it was very different from what we expected. And, and we know, of course, and, and that's because that's why I think that doctors are reflecting to this point, is that there are a number of patients who will ask a lot of questions but we have these patients already at the outpatient clinic. And compared to, to the complete number of patients, it's only a small proportion. So we need to educate those patients more and don't let the other patients be um, uh, helped from this way of communicating. Can you tell me about new technology? Uh, I know that uh, you have a special unit, uh, the, the Radboud Reshape Center, where you look at how health technologies might uh, empower patients and help them self-manage their conditions better. Do you see great potential in this or do you think it's overplayed given the big commercial backers behind it? Yeah, in my view, there's there's a lot of potential in it. Um, if you look at the the demand for healthcare, it's, it's still increasing. And um, looking at the rise of costs, we have to find new ways to communicate with our patients and also get them involved in a much different way. And, and using these new techniques um, really is, a, is a, a big step forward in my opinion. Uh, the big frustration uh, for a lot of doctors and nurses and institutions is that the pressure of the cost is enormously. And that's because we keep on um, working in the same way as we used to for, for over the last 10, 20 or 30 years. So we really have to reinvent this and this new ways of communication uh, and also the new ways of measuring things will be uh, will create a big step forward in my opinion. And we've seen some nice examples so far, uh, ma making it very simple as uh, assessment of heart rate, respiration rate and temperature, which can be monitored on a distance or just uh, glucose measurements and weight scales that can be connected to an electronic health record. Uh, and there are multiple examples uh, at this point in time that, that show that this might very well be the, the way to move forward. 
At the same time as looking at new health technology, though, the hospital also introduced what I gather is a European first in the terms of having a chief listening officer. So it seems that use of new technology must also be balanced with much greater attention paid to what concerns what really matters to patients. Absolutely, absolutely. I think that what one of the concerns people have with the introduction of uh, new techniques or new technology is that um, it, it replaces uh, the human contact. And in, in my opinion, that shouldn't be the case. I think that it, it has to create time for doctors and nurses to spend valuable moments with the patients rather than replacing it. Uh, there are a lot of things that doctors and nurses are doing nowadays that is uh, time-consuming and, and that's not directly related to patient contact. So if we can use the new technology to uh, decrease the burden of doctors and nurses and, and create more time to spend and to talk to patients, then, uh, then it's the right way to do it, I think. One particularly interesting thing about Radboud that intrigued me were these mirror talks um, where I gather you have patients and doctors in the same room, but they're not looking at each other, they're back to back, and the patients are talking honestly about their experience. Can you just explain how that works and why you think that way of getting feedback really helps units understand what patients need and want? One of the things that we learned is that we can talk to um, uh, patients directly outside the outpatient room um, gives us much more and different insights of what's really going on with them and, and what they really need. So what we started doing is, is organizing um, meetings with patients who are actively being treated or diagnosed with their specific doctors and nurses and and let uh, and ask the patients to discuss among each other uh, what they were experiencing and and what they needed and this provided a whole new uh, spectrum of thoughts for the the team and then they would go on and see um, whether this was uh, being or could be implemented or not and this discussion um, brought it really back to to the backbone of the things that, that we were doing and gave a lot of different information than patient questionnaires, etc. Thank you. I'm aware that you are moving on from Radboud quite shortly to take up a new position as CEO at the Karolinska Institute. Give us a, your vision of what the hospital of the future should look like. Mm, mm. Well, that's not an easy question uh, to answer. And, um, um, but I think that in, in a very broad way and, and not as much uh, pinpointed on uh, my new position at Karolinska, I think that uh, we are in a, in a very interesting time frame in healthcare. Um, we know that we have built in, in the Western world a, a very strong healthcare system. And at the same time, we know that we have to change it uh, rather substantially to make it sustainable and, and to involve patients much more. And I think that uh, this movement that we created or this change that we created at Radboud is not unique for Radboud. You can see it in, in other centers as well. And 
this will be one of the topics that I definitely will address at Karolinska. Uh, Karolinska is is a, a very large university medical center. It's it's very well known for its uh, scientific expertise as well as the quality of care, and at the same time, it also is facing a a transition towards much more patient empowerment and and to really a a new entering a new era of healthcare. So that's where I'm going to focus on for the next couple of years. And this is also facilitated by um, a new environment, and a new building. And, and so we're trying to build a healthcare platform that will not only be there for the Stockholm community, but also for the rest of Scandinavia or the Western world.